Thank you so much for your giving. We're going to do things a little different today. We're going to make things a little more fluid than the norm. And uh, the kids are actually going to join us toward the end of our talk to help become a part of our service today. We are in a series called The Table. And we've been focusing on the table. This is now the fourth series of messages that we have preached on the table. Uh, we love talking about the hospitality of Christ, the approach of Christ um, toward people, and how we sit at table, uh, tables with others, how the table's been utilized as, I think, one of the most powerful symbols in all of Scripture to convey the love, compassion, and mercy of Jesus. And so today we're going to dive into the table one more time this month. I don't know what you guys are going to put on your table this week. Everyone's got their tradition of what they do for Christmas dinner. Um, some people like Christmas ham. One person. Some people like Christmas turkey. Uh, some people like some variation of beef. Christmas tofu. I don't know what you guys get into. You guys carve a good Christmas tofu? White or dark? Oh, no, no, mind. Sorry. Uh, Light or dark tofu, that just sounds amazing. Um, I, personally, we do, my, my parents do a, they love doing prime rib every year for, for Christmas. And my, all I request is this, tell me what time you put it in. Because that way I could time out when it's gonna be medium, cut out the middle, push it back together, and then let them cook it at the temperature they want it. And I may be done later. Uh, eat, I may eat before they're done, but nevertheless, it's just my preference. Or a good, I like a good Christmas ham. Um, I don't know what else you like putting on the table. There are two types of people in the world. There are people that like fruitcake, and there are people that like gingerbread. There are people that like fruitcake, and there are people that don't love Jesus, all right? Uh, I'm not a gingerbread person. It smells amazing, and it tastes like sin. I just don't like gingerbread. Um, and I, I'm a sucker for fruitcake. I, I know it looks like bread with Skittles in it, but it's not bad whatsoever. The Lord's table never had a single thing that we would consider Christmas, but it's what we center so much of our worship around is this beautiful table. Some of your traditions may call it the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. Some of you may call it communion. Some may call it Eucharist. But regardless of what you have called it in the past, it's all pointing toward the same thing. I wanna to read to you a, pass a passage of scripture here. Luke chapter 22. Verse 14, and when the hour came, he, being Jesus, reclined at the table with the apostles with him. And he said to them, I earnestly desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is finished in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take and divide it amongst yourselves, for I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom Comes And he took the bread, and when he given thanks, broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance. And likewise, the cup after he had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the covenant of my blood. We're just going to stop right there because there's so much beauty to this simple passage. Because 
the table of the Lord, Eucharist, communion, last supper, the Lord's supper, whatever terminology you use, it's talking about the same. But this was actually their celebration of Passover. Passover was something that they were celebrating that happened 1,500 years before that moment. For us, it's around 3,500 years. And now when we look at this passage, like we can ask a couple questions. Like for example, where was this passage taking place? Where was the Lord's Supper taking place? It's really a simple answer, it's Jerusalem. They were actually in the land God had promised. When did God promise that land? 1,500 years before during Passover. You gotta also understand that they ate this meal together more than once, in fact, they would have celebrated every year, and it's probably very true that we could say that Jesus would have had Passover meal probably at least three times with his disciples being with them for three years. And then around that meal, it was very customary for the oldest at the table to ask questions of the youngest at the table. There wasn't the kid's table. There wasn't the adult table. I don't know about you. I, was, I felt like I was stuck at the kid's table forever. And maybe it's my height, but I was always stuck there. But at the Passover table, the oldest would ask questions of the youngest. And they weren't random questions. They were questions about Passover and what it meant. And the idea was a conversation took place so that there was constant remembrance of what God had done so that questions could rise up, inquiries, details could happen, and the story and the promises of Passover would never end with one generation but would move forward. And the most important thing that I think is the cups. There are cups that were shared at Passover, and what many of you may not know is there were four cups at Passover. A cup was filled four different times. Now, when we think about the four cups, there's awesome, awesome symbolism that's going to take place here. And this morning, we're gonna partake in that. And you may say, why were there four cups? Because I understand that the, the Passover table was to be more than a meal, it was meant to be an experience. And when we serve communion, when we take the Eucharist, can I just tell you, we're not taking it just because they're simple symbols. We believe communion, the Lord's table, is meant to be an experience for one and all. Now, I don't believe in, in, in uh, transubstantiation, which it turns into the blood or the bread, the little blood or flesh of Jesus, but I do believe that within the elements that there is a spiritual experience taking place. It's a Greek Latin word called sacre mysterion. It's a sacred mystery. There is an interaction, an engagement in the presence of God. And so we're gonna do this this morning. We're gonna partake of four cups that mean what? The promises of God. Where do they come from? Thank you for asking. Exodus chapter six says, therefore, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. 
And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession, for I am the Lord. If you've ever been in church long enough and heard the term promised land, this is where that scripture comes from, or that term comes from. And so Jesus, 1,500 years later, is taking Passover in the promised land. And we have these promises that I believe are absolutely lived out. Look at these four promises I want you to see in this simple scripture. There's the four promises of Passover, the, pa the, the promise that I will bring you out. Secondly, I will deliver you. And then I will redeem you and then I will take you to be my own people. And so today, what we're going to do is we're gonna partake of four cups today because all four cups would have lived out all four of those promises. That's why they had four cups at Passover. That's why they had four cups at what we know as the Lord's table. Jesus would have filled up their cups four different times to communicate four specific promises, and we're gonna do that. Now, we're gonna do it a little bit differently. Do you know why? Because we do not have four cups to serve every single person for the entirety of the service. It is a logistical nightmare to make the first impressions fill cups four different times. So we're gonna make it a little bit easier. We're gonna use grapes this morning, if that's cool. Gonna make you press it into the, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. <laughs> But we're gonna have the grapes represent a cup. And let every cup remind us of the promises of the Lord's table. A table was established 3,500 years ago. Jesus recognized it. And every single time we come to the table, that we cannot look at what God had just promised Israel, but I promise you, these are for us today. God reaches into the past to remind us of his promises that are fresh. And so we're gonna start off with the first cup. The first cup is simply this. It is the promise of salvation. God says, I'm gonna bring you out from underneath the thing that is enslaving your life. I am going to bring you out. I love the fact that God didn't call them out. God brought them out and he brings us out. And this is the beauty of the first cup is the cup of salvation, the cup of the thing that wants to enslave your life, the sin that wants to wrap you up and to bind you. God says, I want to bring you up out of that. And so I would invite the worship team. Would you come? And they're going to lead you in to one of our worship songs. And as the ushers are passing out those grapes, would you just hold that grape until everybody's been served? It's going to be our first cup together. And today we're going to sing it, we're going to think about it, and we're going to remember the salvation that Jesus brings. Ushers, come forward. Would you pass out the grapes? Worship team, would you lead us today? Jesus, we just thank you for salvation. This cup of freedom. The things that we were bound by you've come that we might be made free if you're here this morning and you're not in a relationship with Jesus if 
you're here this morning and maybe you're just, maybe you feel like you've wandered away, could you just take a moment right here just to invite Jesus in? It's just as simple as this. Jesus, today, I choose to put my faith in you. Jesus, today, I lead the bondage of sin and slave. And I accept your freedom in my life. We thank you for the cup. We thank you for the promise that you gave to the Israelites in ancient Egypt and the promise that still lingers 3,500 years later that who the Son sets free is free indeed. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's eat, take the cup together. began with the recognition of freedom, salvation. It's something that we say so often at K-First, is salvation is not a finish line, it's a launch point. It's something that I cannot reiterate enough in the people's lives, that there's so much more than just raising your hand and praying a prayer and just saying, boom, I'm a Christian, that Jesus didn't come that you would just simply just be saved in a moment and saved for someday. He wants to do a miracle in your life every single day, that God has more for you. And so we've got the cup of freedom, the cup of salvation, but then he presents a second cup. And that second cup symbolizes the second promise that was given to Israel. And it is the cup of deliverance. It is a cup. I mean, think about this, that Israel was pulled up out of slavery. They were saved out of slavery. But just because they were pulled up out of it didn't mean they were completely delivered from it. And there was a lot of the mindsets, a lot of the wandering in the wilderness that we read about in the Old Testament was less about punishment and more about getting rid of the slave mentality that they knew that they had. And they kept saying, maybe we should just go back. Maybe we should just go back to the old life. Maybe we should just, just go back. Because for some people, a familiar slavery is a lot safer feeling than an unfamiliar freedom. God wanted to deliver them. God wanted them to not just see their deliverance, but for them to experience together. Now, something very cool about the table of the Lord, and specifically the Passover table, is you are not allowed to pour your own drink. Try that this week. Think about that this week. Why was it that you weren't allowed to pour your own drink? Because there is an act of your will to go and to serve somebody else, to lower your own pride and to see that somebody else has need. And so at the table, Jesus would not have poured his own drink. Somebody would have poured it for him, but he would have also poured for somebody else. I was gonna have a cup up here and, and just have somebody else pour, but I mean, wrap your head around that. The table was, was not just to recognize the freedom that God had given, but God wants us to do that in community that we have freedom with one another and for one another. I wrote this down this week. The life of freedom and deliverance was not meant to be done alone in isolation. God created us for community. And I understand this wars against a lot of our American culture that is all about individuality. It's all about, I gotta do self-care. 
Y'all ever heard of self-care? There's good and bad sides of self-care. But I wonder if we've gotten so selfish and so self-absorbed, and that's why that cup of freedom was wanting to get a slave mentality out of them as individuals, but also as a community to see that, hey, you're not just being brought up as an individual, you're being brought out as a people. I love and I support the idea of a personal relationship with Jesus. I will always preach. You can have a personal relationship with God. I believe it's possible through Christ, but I feel like we have misunderstood the idea of community. So this is what I wrote down this week, is you don't have to have others to become a Christian, but I submit you can't have the fullness of life that Christ desires for you without others. I have met people who have encountered God all by themselves people that were in a car and feel like the Holy Spirit kind of touched their life and drew, drew, and kind of drew them toward Christ. I've known people that um, in other countries were, could be out in the middle of nowhere, not around a single soul, and the, and, the, and the Lord spoke into their life. I don't believe you necessarily need to have others to become a Christian, but I don't think you can have the fullness of what God has in store for your life without people. You need community. And God created you to be in community with one another. Well, I don't like people. Tough. I'm a pastor, and sometimes I don't always like people. But we need each other. And I, I, I couldn't think of a greater example than this week. I got three contacts by three very important people in my life. One called me, a friend of mine called me, and he's my accountability with just ministry, and he calls me, he's like, hey, tell me how the church is going. What's your vision for next year? Let me ask you some questions about your vision. Another one called me, he's my accountability with my emotions, and he called me up, he's like, Dave, talk to me about your pace of life. When was the last time you took a vacation? Are you taking your day off? Are you working on your day off? How's your emotional health? And he's just grilling me like crazy, it was amazing. And then there's another friend of mine, he's in another country right now, and he sends me a message, and it's a simple one, and I know exactly what it means. He just writes, how is Dave doing? And every time he sends it, I think to myself, this is the way I want to care for people. Because God has created us to experience freedom, but that freedom and that life in Christ was never meant to be done in isolation. It was meant to be done with one another. If you want to be reminded of the freedom in Jesus, if you want to be reminded of what he's done, we're gonna give you another grape, another cup today. Because when you're eating the grape, I hope you're not swallowing it whole, it's weird. But what are we doing? We're crushing it, aren't we? For there to be wine for a cup, there's a process of crushing. And I don't know about you, but whenever I take communion and I'm using a grape, I honestly think of Christ's life that was crushed for me and crushed for you, crushed for us, that I might receive and then we might receive. It's personal and it's corporate. It's personal and it's community. And so today as we take the cup, I want you to be reminded of the freedom you have in Jesus. Or maybe today as the worship is going and you're holding on to that second grape, maybe you're here today and you need freedom. You need deliverance. You need health in your life because of a habit or a life, a journey that you know is just not healthy whatsoever and you need the Lord's help. Ushers, would you come forward? They're gonna hand out one more grape. Hold on to it, join the worship team in worship and would you hold on to that grape and be reminded of why you need Jesus? Or maybe some of you, 
confessing that you need him today. Jesus, we thank you that your desire is, yes, to save us, but also give us the fullness, abundant life here. I'm thankful that we have hope for more than just someday. Hope is for today. Hope is for every day. That we can wake up every single day and know that your mercy for us is new every single morning. To bless us, to guide us, to constantly give us freedom and deliverance from the things that want to enslave our lives. We celebrate your grace and your mercy. We celebrate freedom in the house. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's take the cup together. So they would move on from the second cup and begin to eat their meal. Because if you've had two cups of wine, you need food in you. <laughs> and so they would begin to partake of the meal. And boy, I wish we had time to dig into all the symbols of their meal from, they would have lamb at the meal because at Passover, the, the last plague on Egypt really challenged the people of Israel to do something to protect themselves and God gave them something to protect themselves and that something was the instructions of take a, a lamb and that lamb would be sacrificed and they would take the blood of that lamb and put it over the doorpost so that death would have to pass over that home and not touch what was in the home and lamb would be recognized at that meal and the beauty of that meal is the Lamb of God, is what Scripture says, is Jesus would be partaking at the meal. You had the bitter herbs at the meal to recognize the bitter years of slavery. I mean, uh, the idea of wine at a meal. Wine has so many different symbols. Most importantly, the blessing of, of God that pours out. And it's there that we get our communion elements. Why? Because we read in Matthew chapter my version didn't come up here. Matthew chapter 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he begins to restructure the symbols. He says, take this is my body. And then he took a cup and when he given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink all of it. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. And I will tell you not to drink of this fruit. I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new within my father. All right, take a step back now. What did he hand out? Which cup? The third cup. And he actually talks about drinking another cup, which is the fourth cup. If you're a note taker, note toker, what is that? Note taker. The cup of Hallel is the fourth cup, which is the word Hallel, we get the word hallelujah. So it's like, it's like a cup of praise, a cup of thanksgiving, a cup of joy of looking for the kingdom someday. And so Jesus gives out the third cup and says, I'm not going to partake with the next cup yet. It's coming someday. It's coming one day. We're gonna drink it together in one day. We're gonna have that joy is in fullness one day. But for now, we're gonna partake of this cup of redemption. 
Think about what Jesus prayed a few hours later. Do you remember what Jesus prayed a few hours later in the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you remember his prayer to God? If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Because Jesus endured the cup of redemption so that we can drink his redemption. He was crushed so we can drink in salvation and freedom. This redemption was a reminder that he is ours and we are his. He redeems us. And what I love about the idea of redemption is he redeems us and he begins to give us purpose. He saved us from things and he saved us for things. And now that we can not just hear about the good news of the gospel, is we can drink in his good news and now it propels us to live out his good news until the day that we stand in heaven partaking of the fourth cup together. So today we are gonna invite the ushers to come forward. Worship band, you're gonna get your steps in today. We're gonna serve you our full communion. And here at K-First, we do a cup and cup element dispersal. And I ask that you would just hold those elements. If you don't feel comfortable partaking, you can observe, that's fine. But ushers come forward and they're just gonna serve you the elements and hold those close. And we're gonna, at the end of the song, partake of the cup of redemption together.
next worship band to come on out. You may be seated. I know they're cute. Listen to me. The final cup. The, fi the final promise. What's up, Z? Just going to leave me hanging. The final cup. The promise of Exodus 6 was this. I will make you a people and I will make you a family. Why? Because he wants to bring us into promise. And that's what these kids are going to be singing about today. Is they're going to be singing about the promise, the joy, the celebration that we have. Kids, are you guys ready? You got to sing loud. Can you guys be loud? Oh, yeah, he says he can be loud. I know you. I know you can. You can be loud too. So you got to look at your parents. And while they are singing, the ushers, they're going to be passing out the grapes for our fourth cup. So kids, you got to smile big and you have to sing loud. Could we give it up for the kids this morning? Our fourth cup is a cup of promise and praise. It's a cup that these kids were singing about, the cup that these kids were celebrating. And today, that's what we're wrapping our four cups up with is that same one, the same song that these kids sing, the same smiles that they bring is the cup of promise and praise. Would you take that grape and could we just pray over that last cup and just believe that God is not just going to bring joy with us now, but it's going to lead us in joy because one day our joy will be full in heaven. Jesus, we thank you for the last cup, for your promise. The fact that we have a, a joy that we can experience today and is made full one day in heaven in your presence. We celebrate that joy and, give, and we give you all thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's partake of the last cup together. Lord, I pray that this day would just become significant in our hearts as we look and just simply remember that every time we come to your table that we would never go into it treating it as ordinary, that we have ever treated it as common. But Lord, I pray that the four promises, the four cups would constantly draw us back to remember to have hearts full of gratitude and to celebrate the amazing work that you had done and that you continue to do in and through our lives. We thank you, Lord, and we give you all glory. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said. One more time, could we give our kids and our worship band a massive hand this morning? Thanks for your patience with us today. I hope today kind of drew you in a little bit deeper into what communion and even the Last Supper, a Passover is all about, because we don't ever want to treat it as just something we just kind of do at the church. It's a sacred mystery, and I hope that it may be an enriched your heart and your life today. Would you stand with me? I just want to speak a blessing over you tonight at six o'clock. What time? Six o'clock. 
we have my favorite service of the year. Uh, we're gonna sing carols together. We're gonna share together. Um, we're gonna sit together as families. We've got glow sticks for the kids and this place is gonna be full of candles and glow sticks and we're gonna celebrate the birth of Jesus and we're believing we are just gonna kick off an amazing Christmas season. I say this, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May he turn his face toward you and grant you peace. Have an amazing Sunday. Prayer team, come forward. If you need prayer before you leave, please uh, come forward and let them pray. If you came after the offering was taken and you still want to give, there are black boxes in the back that you can drop that off that are safe and secure. Have a wonderful day. God bless.